Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. I will help you, says the Lord. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse number 10. Isaiah 41 and verse number 10. So the Bible says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalms 121 and verse 1. Probably do verse 1 and 2. And we'll, we'll go from there. The Bible says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Father Lord, we ask that you breathe upon your word. We ask that you speak to us. We ask, Lord Almighty, for grace, for grace this morning. Let the teaching mantle, the teaching anointing be present. Help me deliver your counsel for this morning and help the hearts of everyone. Let the word mix with faith in our hearts so that it can profit us a hundredfold. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Brian, if you don't mind giving me slightly more just in my, I don't know if the house, I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like I'm trying to screen a little bit. Just a little bit more in my um, monitor here. Thank you. All right, perfect, perfect. All right, so um, shout out to all our team members, by the way. Can we clap for Rebecca? Rebecca was, uh, <laughs> she's, um, yeah, anyways, we celebrate you all. So let, let, me, let me deal with, a quick hindrance to the help of God before I go into my actual conversation for today. Uh, let's just put that up front. You know, I don't know about you guys, but there's something in every human being, in every person that we don't like asking for help. You guys are yeah, looking at me like it's normal. It's, it's, it's a kind of pride, but it's the good kind of pride. We call it dignity. <laughs> yeah, so we call it dignity. So even when you need help, when you really, really, like you're desperate and someone is trying to help you, you would rather that the person helps you while preserving your dignity. Does that make sense? Someone just comes and just say, um, so if I ask Nancy, for example, hi, Nancy, said, hey, um, I need a thousand dollars. I'm broke. I'm not broke in Jesus' name. And Nancy just comes to me in church in front of everyone and says, take. What do you think I'm going to do? I'll be like, why are you giving me that? <laughs> like, why are you stretching your hands? I don't know what you're giving me. What's that? Why? Because we, we want people to help us, but we don't want to ask. And even when we've asked, we want them to preserve our dignity while they help us. And that's, that's the right thing, by the way. So don't be one of those people that disgrace people when you're trying to help them. When you help people, you preserve their dignity. But I, I said that to say this, that that's a problem with God. Not to say God wants to embarrass you, but the fact is, there is a spiritual principle of asking and receiving. 
No, no, no one likes to feel helpless. That's just the truth. But when, when, when God says, I will help you, you're looking at like, what does that mean? I'm not helpless. I can help myself. And right there lies, in, lies one of our major obstacles to receiving help from God. Because we do not acknowledge, we're not broken enough to say, if God does not help me, I'm in trouble. So let's deal with that first, okay? Because you need help. And I'm not saying that to mess with your self-esteem or your confidence. I'm your pastor. My job is to boost your confidence. But I'm saying that to help you spiritually. Because until you come to a point of acknowledgement that you need help, God can't really help you much. You can get the mercy drops of God, but you're not really qualified to be helped by God. You need help, period. You need help. One of the reasons why you need help is because of the limitations of you and I. And you're wondering, what are my limitations? You have many. I can tell you, for example, just give you an example. One limitation you have is that you can only be in one place at, a, at one time. I'll be very suspicious of you if you're at home right now. You understand what I mean? You can only be, <laughs> some of you are like, of course, I'm always in three places. The Lord, <laughs> see me at the deliverance service. <laughs> you know, we, we can only be in one place at, the, at one time. And that's a hindrance. That's a limitation, for example. Um, <laughs> by, by the grace of God and the privilege of, you know, my, 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 my professional office, whatever. When I sit on leadership teams at work and we're always talking about people's careers. We're talking about this manager who doesn't have the right attitude, he should not be promoted. And I'm in my mind, I'm sitting down there, I'm looking like, wow. So this is how people's destinies are determined. You know, we, we act like some elders at the gates. <laughs> Just say, this guy, no, no, let's leave him this year. He needs to develop a little bit more. And I'm going, <laughs> in, my, in Jesus' name, no one would ever speak like this <laughs> against me. The, the problem of that individual, he wasn't in the room. There are many places you cannot be. That's one of your limitations. Just for example, in case you weren't clear that you had limitations. There are many places where decisions of destiny will be made on your behalf. That will be binding on you. And I, I, I like how sometimes when we're, we're already leaning towards a decision on someone, and it's a negative decision, and all of a sudden someone just raises a voice of help for that person. And says, you know what, last year you helped me with this project. Let's promote him. And everybody's like, yeah, 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 let's promote him. <laughs> and I'm saying, so this is how people's lives, and, you put, and some people have been determined that this is their level, they will not go beyond. I can tell you for a fact. Why? There's no voice in the room. And you see someone who has a voice in the room, someone who is speaking on their behalf, really agitating for this person. So we need help. There are many limitations that you and I have that are beyond our control. You need help if you're not convinced because you have an enemy called Satan. And let me say this to you, and this is not to glorify Satan in any way, shape, or form. We know how to deal with him. But the truth of the matter is there's no human being by the strength of themselves or their own strength can ever deal with the, with the devil. You can't. The Bible calls him the old serpent. Old. If the Bible calls someone old, <laughs> he's old. He's wiser than you. By yourself. Not with the Holy Spirit in you. By yourself. He would outwit you. He will. He's stronger. The Bible calls him a strong man. So you have an enemy who's very active, who you cannot beg. You cannot negotiate with him. I'm not even negotiating. I don't negotiate with terrorists, right? It's a foundational principle of 
of America and and the United States of Digi. I don't negotiate with terrorists. He, you can't beg him. You can't appease him. He hates your God for many reasons. Hates you because you were made in the image of God. Hates you because you're the object of God's affection. Hates you because you proclaim the name of Jesus. According to Revelation chapter 12, the Bible says, I think the last verse, that all those that bear the testimony of Jesus, Satan has come against them with a fury. Right? So he hates us and that's okay. That's his problem. But the reality is, if God does not help us against this very old, powerful, strong enemy, then we are at a disadvantage. We need help. We need help because of the mistakes we've made. Some of the mistakes we've made. You know, the funny thing about mistakes, I say this all the time, a couple of years, God helped me to understand this, that sometimes when you make a mistake, it's not obvious you've made a mistake. Hmm? If you make a mistake and you immediately know that, wow, what a, what a blunder. You're, you're lucky. You're blessed. Because the Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man. But the end, not the beginning, the end. So you will have gone 10 years just to realize, wow, what a blunder. The mistakes we've made. We need help. We need help to undo them. We, we need help because of our weaknesses. Some of us have baggage. Some of you are not from the right family. The last name is not Gates. <laughs> you know, you, you come from somewhere. Maybe even you come from a background of idol worshippers. You have spiritual liability. Let's call it that. You carry baggage with you. Probably weren't brought up properly or you came up, you know, grew up in an abusive home or something like that, you have baggage. And because all these things take a toll on you, weigh heavy on you, and actually manage your possibilities, you need help. You need help. You need help because there are many places that you will not have capacity to speak for yourself. Or even if you could speak, you don't have capacity to make decisions that would influence you. You need help because of the mountains, the obstacles before you. Some of you have major hills to climb major hills to climb. For some of you, your hill is simply a board exam. You want to become certified. Maybe you want to become a medical doctor. For some of us, our hill is maybe your health or anything. You have an obstacle, something in front of you that you're trying to navigate. You absolutely need help. What's funny is that most times, a combination of all these factors are at work in our lives. That's what makes it worse. In other words, you have limitations. The enemy is against you. <laughs> You've made mistakes. You have baggage. So how do we not need help? I always liken the story of a believer, the life of a believer to, theologically now, to the children of Israel when they left Egypt, walking through the Red, the, the, the Red Sea, through the wilderness, to the promised land. It's, you know, it's symbolic of how you give your heart to Jesus and you start to walk with the Lord faithfully until you fulfill your destiny and all that stuff. And when you look at their story, you look at their journey, you see the kinds of things that can befall a believer. They're all metaphors. So the Red Sea is a metaphor for an impossible situation. God was with them. So when you get into a situation that looks like an impossible situation and you start asking God, why me? Remember that God was with Israel, but they faced the Red Sea, right? They were ambushed by Amalek, unprovoked. There were some battles they fought because they had to fight and conquer. Amalek just ambushed them for no reason. In other words, there are battles that you would fight for no reason. For no reason. Just because <laughs> any given Tuesday, something out of left field comes up against them. What about scarcity? When they went about looking for water for days and they couldn't find water, speaks to economic, economic situations that you might face. 
So we need, we need help. Once you acknowledge that you need help, the next thing you need to understand is that God wants to help you. Can you tell yourself, God wants to help me? <laughs> you, you don't sound sure. God, he wants to help you. He wants to help you. When, when you read scripture, um, and I'm going to rush through because I, uh, <laughs> I want us to be able to do some stuff on the back end today. So I may not have time to go into a lot of details today, but just I'm talking in four quadrants. The first quadrant is you need help. The second one is God wants to help you. All right? When you go through the Bible, you would see, for example, Genesis chapter 2. The Bible says that God made man in his own image. What was the name of the man? Adam. All right, made Adam and all that. And in Genesis chapter 2, you realize that God gave Adam an assignment. And God said something in Genesis 2.18. He says, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, you have to understand that this was not Adam's idea. Adam did not say to God, excuse me, God, <laughs> I'm missing something here. I need a little help here, please, as my son would say. A little help here, please. No, it was God's idea that this guy needs help. And not only that, I will go ahead and make a helper for him. So God wants to help you. God wants to help you. That was God's idea. It wasn't his idea. It wasn't because he prayed. Some of, <laughs> some of the areas of life where you actually need help, trust me, you don't even know. He had no clue. So God wants to. It's his desire. He's always wanted to offer help to his people. When you think about Jesus, Jesus, the totality of who Jesus is and his ministry, coming to the earth, dying on the cross, resurrecting and all that stuff, is a form of help. Why? Because our friend, Adam, fell, all mankind with him, and God also immediately started to think about how to rescue us. God immediately diagnosed the situation and said, these guys, they need help, and I will fix it for them. So God wants to help you. It's his nature. And if you go to the Bible, there are hundreds, I mean, really, literally, scores of stories in the Bible that speak about how God helped the people. But I want to use those ones that are really solid in, from a theological point of view. Jesus is the embodiment of the help of God. He is. He came to pay a price that we could never pay. There's a debt that you had, and Jesus came and wiped away that debt and said, well, now there's a substitution going on. Everything that I have done, I've done on your benefit, so it accrues to you. That's help. Would you not call that help? Absolutely. If you're owing $1,000 and someone came and paid off your debt, that's help. But we're actually owing more than $1,000. We're owing our, our entire life was mortgaged. Jesus came and did that. What about the Holy Spirit? I'm talking about things now that we never asked for. And God determined that we needed and he gave to us. Help. Help. Jesus was leaving and he said to his disciples, I will not leave you without help. I will send you another helper. And so the entire job description of the Holy Spirit is to help you. Help you with what? With anything you need to do on the way to destiny. Anything. None of these things, we never asked for them. This was God's initiative on your behalf. Isn't that great? That God is thinking about you. And so I said all that to say this, that if God 
has been thinking that way from the beginning? What makes you think that even right now, God is not looking at you and dealing with issues in your life, areas that you need help, that you don't even know, and he has deployed help on your behalf? God wants to help you. He acknowledges that we need help. He knows that we are limited. He, know <laughs> he knows that we are but flesh, as the Bible calls us. And so it's his desire to help you, to help you. The third quadrant is God can help you. Amen. You don't just need help. God doesn't just want to help you. God can help you. There are many, many things I want to do that I can't do. That's the truth. There are many things I want to do, I just can't do. But the God we're talking about, he can. He can. I will lift up my eyes to the hills, Psalms 121. From where comes my help? My, help's com my help comes from the Lord. Then he says, the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. If that's, that's all we, if we just stop there, that the God that made the heavens and the earth, there is nothing he cannot do. A lot of times when we go through situations and challenges in our lives, we get to a place where we convince ourselves that God cannot help us. In our hearts. I know we are Christians and we know it's wrong, but we truly believe by our actions. There's nothing God can do about this situation. It's true. It's true. We, 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 because sometimes the severity of the issue, how overwhelming it is to you, to your small brain, is like, I've thought about this. God can't do this. You won't be the first. God told Abraham and Sarah, I would help you. Both of them laughed at him. Both of them. They looked at the facts. They've dealt with the issue long enough. They've been through series of situations. And God said, I'll help you. And they laughed. <laughs> like, <laughs> funny. God, I didn't know you were joking. Help us. Are you not aware of how bad this is? The truth is we get to places in our lives at some point where we truly believe that God cannot help us. God can help you. God can help you. There, there is um, <laughs> let's look at a story, not a story, a verse of the Bible. I don't want to go into details. Second, Second Kings chapter 7 and verse number 1. Second Kings chapter 7 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Elisha, it's a prophet now. Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time. A seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. What was happening in this story is that there was a siege against Israel, against Samaria. And as a result of the siege, there was a famine. The famine was so bad that women started to kill. The Bible actually says boil, not fry, boil, and eat their children. So, pause. 
I, I want to know for a fact that if women had started boiling and eating their children, they'd definitely been killing their husbands. <laughs> I can, I assure you, a few men were dead. We're just missing on, on the streets of Samaria. Because before you get to children, on the priority list, husbands go first. They die first. I can assure you. So this is as bad as it gets. That's what I'm trying to tell you. This was a bad situation. Terrible. I imagine a lot of women had died of hunger because they wouldn't eat their own children. The Bible tells about this, this particular funny group of women, but it was a bad situation. That's what I'm trying to say. It was, it was terrible. And even the king, the king, the guy who always has a roof. Hallelujah. The king, thank you, Brian. The king who usually would have a reserve was also out of food. And he had sackcloth and ashes on him. In other words, it was a very bad situation. That's what I'm trying to say. We're talking about the fact that God can help you. And the people cried out to him and said, king, help us. And the man said, if God does not help us, from where shall I find help for you? So he ran to Elisha. That was the context of that story. And Elisha, the man of God, prophesied. Now, you might not understand what that prophecy meant, a seal of flour for two shekels and all that stuff. Basically, what Elisha was saying, and if I put that in a language that we understand, he was saying that a steak dinner at the keg would cost five cents by tomorrow. I hope you know you cannot go to the keg and try to buy a steak dinner for five cents. That's a recipe for, you end up on CTV News <laughs> as the <laughs> joke of the year, right? He was, God will basically, there'll be so much food, so much food that you'll go to McDonald's and pay two cents and get a meal. And the people, <laughs> said amen. <laughs> and the people said, one man, one man, one brainiac, a PhD holder in economics, he said, we've, we've measured this thing. Thank you. We've, we've assessed the situation. Even, I haven't been to heaven before, but I think there are windows in heaven. Even if God opens those windows, this thing is impossible. That's what the man said. Many times we get there where we are completely, completely overwhelmed by a situation that we say, I just count this as a loss. Let's deal with, let's, <laughs> pastor, encourage me about other things. Let's leave this one. And the man of God said, by this time tomorrow. The situation in Samaria, obviously, was nothing like what we had in Canada today, obviously. We have a little bit of inflation, but there is no famine. But even if I told you that tomorrow there will be so much abundance in Canada that food, you go to the keg and you pay five cents for a meal. You would probably say it's impossible. 
What I'm trying to say is that their situation was worse. So I can understand how someone would say, this guy is, I don't know what this prophet is talking about. But the Bible says that exactly as the Lord said, without any fight, without anyone lifting up a sword, God did exactly what he said he was going to do. God can help you. It's only in your head that you figure that there's no way out. It's only in your head, I, I assure you. God doesn't have the same limitations that you and I have. The severity of the issue, sometimes the length of the issue, if you've been through something for so long, makes it, it gives it strength in your heart that you just say, I cannot, I don't have faith for this. And sometimes it's okay to be honest with God. Don't speak Christianese to God. Tell God, I'm struggling to believe that you can help with this situation. It's okay because he sees your heart anyway. God can help you. He's the maker of heaven and earth. I remember many years ago, I don't remember how many years, 2005 maybe, 2006. I lived in Maryland in the U.S. then, and I was, I think I was in grad school in D.C. My brothers and I lived together, my elder brother and my younger brother. So we had a house, we bought a house. And... I remember vividly, because I'm traumatized, our mortgage was $2,700. And the season came when we couldn't pay, between the three of us, three grown men, well, grown boys. We couldn't pay the mortgage. And so after a season, there was a particular point where we were actually four months behind, four on our mortgage, and not just mortgage, and other bills. So our dining table had a bunch of bills. We never ate there <laughs> because the food would not digest. <laughs> it was bills, mortgage, letters, and all that stuff. I remember many years ago, we never called our parents, even though we could have. That whole idea of asking for help I talked about before, we never did. We kept quiet. Very stupid idea, but we kept quiet. And so we went through this. At a time, the bills were t property taxes, mortgage, a bunch of bills were just trying. It was about $23,000 in total. Yeah. And I was serving in church. And then we were going to have a guest minister come and minister in our church. I was the protocol guy. So I usually drive them. But my brothers and I, for some reason, I don't know whose idea it was, one of us suggested, you know what, I just feel like we should sow a seed to this man. We've never met this man of God. We didn't know if he was powerful. We didn't know if he was anointed. We didn't know anything. So he was definitely inspired. So what are we going to do? So, okay, you know what? Let's buy him a suit. True story. Let's buy him a suit. So I said, okay, you know what? I'm the protocol guy. When I get to the hotel and I'm unpacking the guy's bag, I'll look at his suit size. You understand? So we know what size to buy. So we did that. We bought him a suit, very nice suit. All the money we had, all the money, everything, stripped everything, bought him a suit, gave it to him. Um, honestly, we had, there was no connection in our minds between what we were doing and this. It was just something we felt led to do. Three young boys. I was 20, maybe. My younger brother was like 17. And so when this man, when he got the suit, he was really excited. He was like, wow, you young boys, this is really good, really touching, blah, blah, blah. You know what? After service, let me go, let me go to your house. 
just visit you guys. It was appreciative. Just a way of saying thank you. So after service, we're driving, we're driving him home. I was a protocol guy. He said, let's stop over at your house. You know, so we did. Got to my house. The guys stood for like five minutes and everything. Then he saw a dining table. <laughs> All this some unopened, some with notice, read something, notice around al along the lines or something. And he said, so, so we just told him, yeah, you know, a little bit behind. It touched his heart that you're behind, yet you're so innocent. So the man prayed. He said some words. I remembered only two sentences. He said, anytime I wear this suit, let heaven help you guys. That was one. The second time, second sentence he said, I remember. He said a bunch of things. Those two I remember. He said, God, any way you know how to help someone, when you search your dictionary, your, you know, your insights, any way you know how to help, help these boys. And he left. He didn't shake. No one, no one vibrated. <coughs> Less than two weeks after that, a woman in church. This is a church we've been for many years. We've been serving there. My brother was a minister in that church. Said, the Lord said I should bless you boys. <laughs> so I was like, see. The kind of blessing I'm looking for now. <laughs> I judged her. I, this, woman, this woman can't bless me. <laughs> what you are going to do is just buy me lunch. You know, this woman paid every single thing. She gave us a check for about 25000 Yeah. Everything. We paid everything up and she paid in advance. And she bought a new car for me. Yeah. This is a true story. This is a true story. I almost fainted. Because truth is, truth is, in our minds, we already lost that house. Yeah, we'd, we'd, it was a done deal. It was a done deal. And the person that God will use to help had been seeing us the whole time. Never bothered with us. What happened, I don't know. I don't know. So when I tell you God can help you, I'm not just saying it to excite you. God can help you. If you don't believe me, believe the Bible. If you don't believe the Bible, believe the saints that have gone before us. Many people helped by God. Many people helped by God. It was so strange. Um, <laughs> she bought me a car. Um, because at that point, I was carless. I remember, I think I told you guys the story. My pastor was turning 40. I was supposed to go pick up my, the car from the dealership. And they were short money. And I dropped my car. And she was there at that dealership. She was the elder that was designated to come and write the check for the contribution that people had made. So this had happened like a year in advance. The woman never said anything. God never spoke to her. I didn't know this woman was, she's, she's rich. Rich, rich, rich. But she was a very regular person. You never know. Never know. God can help you. The last one is God will help you. Wanting to help you, can help you, does not mean he will help you. But God will help you. Yeah, God will help you. <laughs> God would help you because he would honor his covenant. The reason why God always helped Israel wasn't because they were right. It wasn't because they were aligned all the time. His commitment to them never failed till tomorrow it will never fail if Israel calls on the name of God no <laughs> read your Bible these guys did some terrible things 
these guys did some terrible things. But anytime they called on God in sincerity, he would answer. He was bound by covenant. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, the Bible says, then I will hear from heaven. I will heal their land. He will help you because, not because you are perfect, but because he's bound by covenant to help you. God will help you, if not for covenant's sake, for his mercy's sake and his grace. It's his nature to be merciful. There are people who never called on God, but God helped them. There are people who were disadvantaged, and God just said, I will help you. Quite frankly, I don't care which of the two. God, I don't care which of the two streams God uses to help you. As far as the help comes to you, that's okay. That's okay. disadvantages that you have, the things that are arrayed against you, the situations that you're navigating, the baggage that you're carrying and all that, it doesn't mean much to God. If he wants to help you, he will help you. There's one thing, though, that stops God from helping people, from helping his people, okay? when they go after other gods. Mm. And some of you are wondering, like, okay, that doesn't apply to me, thank God. But I'm not talking about having a statue in your closet, although I am talking about that, just for adventure. Going after other gods is, in some seasons, it looks like this. The first place you go to for help is not God. You understand that? Happens to us all the time. Still happened to me two weeks ago. Trying to figure something out. I, I made a decision. I did something. And the Holy Spirit reminded me, you didn't even talk to me about this issue. You already plunged yourself, seeking support from somewhere else. And that takes a lot of renewing a, your mind to get away from that mentality that the first person you go to is God. The Bible says in Isaiah 31, I believe verse 1, the Bible says, Woe to those that go down to Egypt for help. That's what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, in verse 3, the Bible says, God is the kind of God that if you are his person and you put someone else before him, God will make sure that that help doesn't work for you. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, both the helper... And the helpy, they will both fail. Why? Because God says, you shall have no other gods before me. It doesn't necessarily mean idols, which it does. And I keep saying which it does because there's someone here. You are a recipient of certain artifacts, elements from your parents that they send to you constantly to use on your body. 
let's just say you should have known better than that. Many people go to the devil for help. They say you tie something around your neck, it could bring protection to you. Put this under your pillow. Bath with this soap. Use this lotion. You don't know the source of the lotion. Tell your mom or your dad. This is one permission I can grant you. Tell them Walmart has soap, lotion, <laughs> has everything I need. Don't send me anything from Africa. Please, please don't send me soap. Stop that nonsense. Please. You're ensnaring yourself. You are. Isaiah 31, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses. I mean, shouldn't you rely on horses? You should, right? I mean, in other words, you rely on your strength. You rely on your degree. You rely on your beauty. If you're looking for a husband, for example, if you're, if you're fine, <laughs> you rely on that. Like, I'm pretty sure, like now I'm 23, someone will propose. <laughs> Let me advise you. <laughs> strength fails in the day of battle. The God we serve is a jealous God. He's ready to help you. He wants to commit himself completely. But the moment he sees that you have alternatives, like he was saying, plan B and plan C. If Paul doesn't propose, Mike will. <laughs> and if Mike doesn't, Gabriel. You realize that God, God doesn't work that way. It's either him or nothing. You can't mix him with anything. The moment you introduce something else, God backs out. So, okay, we'll figure it out. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many. Have lots of chariots, so you feel like you're ready for any battle. And in horsemen, because they are very strong. But who do not look to the Holy One of Israel? That's Isaiah chapter 31 and verse 1. Nor seek the Lord. Now, Egyptians are men and not God. <laughs> and their horses are flesh and not spirit. In other words, when your help comes from men and not sourced in the realm of the spirit, it's weak. God can use men to help you. Don't get me wrong. But the person that God uses to help you would help you and be thanking you that they're helping you. You understand? Yeah. Like that woman that God sent to us. God sent her to us, obviously. But I, I didn't worship her. I knew that she, <laughs> if she didn't help us, huh? she had no choice. Let's just put it that way. It was God. It was God that was helping you. God can use anything. God can use your boss in the office. God can use your enemy. God can use angels. God can even use demons to help you. He's God. How he chooses to help you is not, that's not my problem. God used demons to help David. You don't know. When demons started troubling Saul, that's when they called David to the palace. God can use anything to help you. Verse 3, the Bible says, when the Lord stretches out his hand, both he who helps will fail 
and he who is helped will fall down. They will all perish together. So can you help me tell your neighbor, no other gods. God will help you. God can help you. God wants to help you. Shall we pray? Rachel, when you're when you're 70 plus, you're saying amen. Yes, amen. I don't know how old I'll be then. I'll be older than that anyways. Um, you will you tell me, because I'll still know you in Jesus' name. Um, you will tell me, pastor, I don't think I'll go by pastor then. I should have been knighted by the queen by then. Sir, Sir Deji, Sir Deji, my testimony is a person helped by God. That will be your testimony. A person helped by, a person helped by God. A person helped by God. For some of you at the end of next year, 2022, you will say to me, New Year's Eve service. Pastor, I'll still be pastor by that time. My testimony for the year, I've been helped by God. I assure you. I actually promise you. Yeah, God would help you. God would help you. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.